Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Heidi Dove. Heidi, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me here. And Heidi Dove is the founder and director of Village to Village, uh, which is a nonprofit. And she's here to share more about that ministry today and how it got started and what their plans are for the future. So Heidi, just start out telling us about how Village to Village got started. We did a mission trip with our student ministries department uh, probably six years ago, and it looked a little different than anything that I had been a part of. You actually invest in small villages continually and um, just become a part of their community and help them get to the place of self-sufficiency. And we came home, and we realized that we wanted to continue that ministry. So we continued it on our own. Um, and then Pastor Kerry went with us on a trip and uh, mentioned to me that he felt like it might be time to start a nonprofit to be able to do this uh, on a regular basis. So when I came home, we prayed about it, and the process started. We uh, have started out small, but uh, our coming year is actually the biggest year ever, and God has been very present in it all. We've been able to touch a lot of lives um, through clean water and medical care and building churches. It's been a blessing. I'll share our mission statement with you because it probably explains a little bit better than I can. We are a Christian organization building relationships here and abroad, providing sustainable resources and engaging communities as they move towards self-sufficiency. So locally, we work with refugees, and generally that is over the Christmas season. The refugees that have just moved here within the last couple months, we try to get them settled and just get basic supplies, but also get gifts that their kids can have and things that can help them feel at home a little bit. Abroad, what it means is connecting with small villages and just helping them learn a trade, helping them get clean water, making sure that they are healthy. Um, and just getting them to the place that they can function on their own. And hopefully in the process, they see Jesus in the midst of all of it. Can you just um, maybe give us a glimpse? And I was on that first trip to Guatemala and was so blessed by that and to see the people in the villages' uh, faces with clean water. And um, I just remember going in and praying blessing over the villages. And there's still faces that are in my mind from that trip. Could you... Maybe just give us um, a story to help us understand what happens, uh, those listening, to help them understand what happens when you go into the villages. It's not just clean water. Hmm. That is a huge thing, and that is huge. We can't imagine because we have clean water. Uh, we can't imagine what it's like to not, and then all of a sudden to have it. But is there a story that just comes to your mind, a face that comes to your mind, that you can give us a story of... Um, Maybe what captivates you to keep going back? Well, there's two that I can think of. One is probably the initial um, trip that Pastor Kerry went on. We got connected to a small village in Guatemala, La Colonia. And the first time we were there and decided that that would be our village, we met a lot of the people. Mm -hmm. And we don't speak Spanish very well, and they don't speak English very well, but there's a lot of things that can happen non-verbally and mm -hmm. so we got connected very well with them when we came home uh, we were working with world help at that time and we got a message that one of the very young mamas she was only 20 
she had two children, was going to um, have to have major surgery. She had mm-hmm. cancer. And they had no way to pay for it. Uh, and so they just asked us to pray about it, see if that would be something that we would be willing to do. And we did. We got the funds to them, and she was able to have surgery. Um, and when we got there, our next trip with Pastor Carrie, she was just coming home from the hospital. And they don't necessarily believe in pain medication. There's just Mm. a lot of things that they don't do that we are very used to. So when we initially saw her, she really thought she was dying. She was in so much pain. Mm. Um, Her two kids were home, and, of course, they didn't understand what happened, and they were wild and crazy. And we just simply said, can we uh, say a prayer with you just for peace and healing and and comfort, and um, through the interpreter, we were able to pray. Uh, Pastor Carrie actually prayed with her, and um, you know, we already had a relationship. She knew mm-hmm. we cared about her. She knew we cared about her kids, and we we don't always talk about Christ immediately. Right. Uh, we really believe that we've got to meet that immediate need first, yes. and they need to see Christ in us before we can share. This is why we are the way we are. We finished praying, and there were probably six of us in the room. And as clear as she could speak to the interpreter, she said, thank you so much. Can I please accept Jesus into my life? Wow. And I don't know that that would have happened if we had not built that relationship where she knew we cared about her family and we wanted to be there for them. And she saw something different in us. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's probably the first story, and that's probably the one that will stay with us um, forever. But the other one... Is a little harder. Uh, we went into a village. It was our second village that we adopted in Guatemala, and it is up in the hills, and they really do live in huts. Mm. They had no clean water. They had always drank from a river um, mm. that the animals bathed in. They just didn't have access to it. Right. We had been there twice and realized that they really could use a clean water well system. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to put one in. And we also held a medical clinic. When we did the medical clinic, a sweet mama came, and she had a little boy, uh, Marlon, and he was a special needs boy, which you don't see that very often Mm -hmm. in other countries. But he was dying of malnutrition. So they got him to um, the baby clinic and were able to keep him there for three months. And when we left the village, that's where our campus was. So we were able to go see the mama every single day. And Mm -hmm. we prayed over her and we prayed over Marlon. And um, she didn't even speak Spanish. They speak a totally different language. So you can't even really use an interpreter. So she's there not understanding anything. But we would bring her blankets and things for the baby. We would just bring her things that she could eat. And we just spent time with her. Mm -hmm. She understood what we were doing. And... We came home, promised that we would stay in touch with her. Uh, The hospital sent us a picture about three months later of baby Marlon, totally healthy and looked like a normal child. A year later, we went back to that same village, Mm -hmm. and we couldn't see him anywhere. We didn't know where they were. And so I had a picture of Marlon on my phone. I still have it. And we asked some of the mamas if they could please Mm -hmm. find Marlon's mama. She saw us, and... Immediately knew who we were. Um, I had the picture on my phone, and as soon as she saw Marlon's picture, she started sobbing. And she had another baby in her hands. And I was a little confused because the baby she had in her hands was an infant girl, and Marlon was nowhere to be found. And Marlon had passed away. Mm. Um, 
partially because we had not gotten there soon enough with clean water. Mm. Um, and so he had gotten too far malnourished and mm. his body was just not strong enough to fight everything off. So he had passed away and she must have been pregnant when we were there the year before mm. with this baby girl. And she clung to me like I have never heard a mother sob and mm. weep the way that she wept. And we were able to pray with her. Um, and I still, she's probably one of the main ones on my prayer list mm-hmm. because they are in a village that does not get a lot of attention. And yeah. so I know there are not people there on a regular basis. Right. But my prayer is that she saw enough about God's love through our lives that she yeah. understands yeah. that her baby's in the arms of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, it is amazing how um, God does supernaturally sometimes, I think, um, help us communicate in those times. I'm just remember while you were there talking, I was remembering when we were in Guatemala, we had met and we're talking about, you know, experiences that we had had engaging and with the community there. And I was just really praying about that because I so wanted to connect with someone about Jesus, just, you know, to be able to communicate with them. But with my um, non-existent Spanish uh, vocabulary, very few words, and I need to work harder on that. I was just felt like it just wasn't going to happen, but I'd really prayed about it. And the next morning, I was down at the little house. I'm trying to think what it's called, where the the special needs kids. Kelly's were. house. Um, yes, mm-hmm. and Isaac was down there. If you remember Isaac, because he had a sibling that was there mm-hmm. in the house, and somehow he ends up with this Walmart bag. And he points to Walmart and asks me, like, if I have a Walmart. Like, I don't remember the hand motions, but I understood that he was asking me if I... And so I shake my head yes, and then I, you know, my limited Spanish. I pointed to my heart, and I said, Jesus. And he pointed to his, and he said, Jesus. And in that moment, we laughed, and he was just full of delight that... He had Jesus in his heart, and I had Jesus in my heart, and it was the moment that I had prayed for. So God has a way of helping us to understand each other, and I am sure that as much as you all there with her, that God was undeniable in the midst of that. There's just no doubt in my mind. He's the one that makes the connections, and we have to trust him with the details of those connections. Thank you for sharing that story. I think that helps us understand a little bit better the heart of why we do these things. And, you know, we sometimes I think, well, we're going to go to another country and we're going to take Jesus there. But when you get there and you realize that he has went before you and he has been there with them and he's the one that makes the connections, I think that it was a really powerful thing for me on that trip especially. And Heidi, as you were talking about going to Guatemala and ministering to these different families, even though you couldn't really communicate real well with them, I'm thinking about not only abroad are we ministering, but also, as you mentioned, refugees here in Harrisonburg and Rockingham County. I know our small group has had the privilege over the last couple years of kind of almost like adopting one or two refugee families and just bringing them gifts and food and different stuff at Christmas time and seeing the joy on their faces. And I know one of the families even came to church for a little while, but just communicating the love of Christ to them, and that's very important. Mm-hmm. And they, it takes so little 
on our end, honestly, to drop off some cookies or to drop off, I think I dropped off candy one time. And they move here without barely the clothes on their back. And the refugee family that we worked with quite a bit after last Christmas, every single one of their children were born in the refugee camp. Mm. So their kids have never known anything other than a refugee camp. And so when they move here, everything is new. Everything is scary. I know one day I dropped by the house and their daughter needed to go to the clinic. And they just simply asked me if I could drop her off. And I felt in my spirit, I can't just drop her off. She doesn't speak the language, which I couldn't speak to her either, but I at least was a familiar face. So I was able to walk into the clinic and explain to them why she was there, help them with the paperwork, and at least make her feel a little bit settled. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it took 10 minutes of my day. And I think sometimes we use this excuse of, I can't do anything to make a difference, so we don't do anything at all. But that is doing something. That's making a decision to not do anything. And if we could, you know, if we could commit to 15 minutes a day, what a difference that would make in people's lives just to know that somebody cares and somebody is willing to bake some cookies for us or stop by and see us. So, you know, Christmas, that's probably one of the favorite things that we do is take these gifts to these families and just be able to put a face with someone new moving into our community that just needs to be loved a little bit. And Heidi, we mentioned that you're doing some other villages besides Guatemala. Talk about what other villages we're in and maybe about some past trips that you guys have been on to other countries. Sure. We spend a lot of time in Moldova, in Chisinau, Moldova, which is used to be part of Russia. It's between Romania and Ukraine, and it's one of the least visited countries in the world. Um, It's also one of the poorest countries in the world. And we have a connection there through a family that goes to our church. And so it's been really special to be able to travel with them and see where they were raised and how passionate they are about loving their own people. And generally, we have worked mainly with Doxadeo, which is a Christian church in the area. But this past year, we have gotten connected to a small village in Chisinau, and uh, the school is very small. The funding is almost non-existent. Last year, we were able to just simply build steps so that the school could stay open because they were getting ready to be shut down because the steps weren't safe. And it was such a simple thing for us, but long-term, it helped all those kids be able to continue school. So this year, um, in partnership with Doxadeo, we decided to do a camp for those kids in Carbuna, which is the village that we are connected with, because those children have never been able to attend any type of camp. They can't afford it. Um, Because of our donors and supporters, we were able to pay for all the children to come to camp. It was on a river, which they had never seen before. They had never been on a bus before. So the trip there was a little bit traumatic (laughs) for some (laughs) of them. And we were able to take our youth pastor and people that work in social services, and we were able to do training for foster care. The one thing that I love about Doxadeo Church is they are desperately trying to live out Jesus' words. In um, They believe in taking in these kids that have no homes. So we had 20-some parents that have become foster parents because there are so many children in Moldova that have lost their parents or their parents have left the country. 
And so, you know, if the percentage there was a percentage in our church, it would be unbelievable the number of foster children we would have. And we just have a different mindset, but I do believe God is leading us to be more like that. And so we were able to do training with them. We were also able to do training. They run an after-school program in Carbunum with these kids. So we were able to do training with that leadership. But we also had 50 kids there for camp. And Pastor Olivia was there and helped lead that. We had clinics for them. We had Bible studies for them. Um, And our team was terrified. That first day, we had no idea what to expect. And... You know, the Carbuna kids had no idea what to expect. (laughs) But the same thing kind of happened. Even though we couldn't speak their language, there were a lot of things that we had in common. And um, it's probably one of the best weeks that I have experienced. Um, It was exhausting. We didn't have a lot of time to do anything other than love on kids, but that's okay. That's what we were there for. And a lot of those connections have stayed in place since we've been home. Um, and we are going to be able to do that camp next year as well in August. Um, hoping to take a few more people because it was a little hard to facilitate it. There were 11 of us and Mm. we probably needed to have 20 of us. So a little hard to facilitate it, but God was good. And the one thing we noticed, um, the last night we had a talent show, which you never know what that's going to be. And we're used to talent shows here just being silly and, Mm -hmm. The majority of the kids, and they chose their own thing to do that night. The majority of the kids acted out the things that they had learned scripturally that week. Oh, wow. And, of course, we couldn't understand them, but we knew what they were doing. And it allowed us to realize that they got it and they understood the love and compassion. And some of those kids are churched kids, but a lot of them were not. And so they tasted a little bit of what it's like to be in relationship with God that week. So it was amazing, and we are so excited. Um, We're already starting planning for next year. That is exciting. I was able to hear from some of the stories from Olivia and just the connections that she still has. And it's, again, I go back and say what I said earlier, That and maybe this is just an add-on to what I said earlier, but the fact that we receive such a blessing when we think we're going to bless others. Um, I have just watched that um, play out uh, so many times in this trip, especially just in some of the stories that I've heard um, on the return trip. So that's a little bit of where you've been. Uh, What is the future looking like for Village to Village? God is absolutely taking us to a new place this year. Probably since May of this year, My devotions, uh, my scripture reading, the music that I listen to, every single thing has pointed to what is the next step and are you going to be willing to take it. I'm in the middle, actually I'm at the end of reading Not Safe by Mark Batterson and um, it will change you. It will change the way you see things. One of the things he says is when did we start believing that Jesus died to keep us safe? Mm. He died to make us dangerous. And... I don't have any fear when we go to these countries. Um, God has given us such a peace about it. Now, we are careful. We make sure that we are very careful. But I think what scares me more is the next step that God is asking Village to Village to take. We have had a tremendous partnership with the church, partially because I work here. Mm -hmm. And so we've been able to have offices here. And it's, it's amazing because I have all my resources and all of the people that invest in me and pray for me, surrounding me on a daily basis. 
But God clearly has started talking to us about the next step, which for us is moving off campus. Mm. And we don't really know how long of a process that will be, but God has given us a piece of property that um, I have been able to circle in prayer and we have walked on and we have prayed over and our board um, unanimously said, we're just going to do the next step. So we would like to be in the midst of not only reaching um, refugees, but people in general, Mm -hmm. just that we are interacting with on a daily basis. Um, We believe with all of our hearts that what we do outside the country, we need to be doing here with our neighbors and next door. And if we are not willing to love those around us and meet the needs of our community, we really don't have a right to step outside of our country and try to do the same thing. Sometimes I think what's hard for us is we always want to see where that next step is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing that I read about Noah building the ark, which is crazy to me, is it took 43,800 days. That was the process of him building the ark and planting the trees and waiting on God. And to be honest, I don't have that much patience. It's hard for me to wait a year. But I have learned that God is not going to reveal that next step until I take the first one. And as scary as that is, it always comes out to the most amazing thing possible. So, you know, we are just really um, knowing that God has huge things for us this year. Mm -hmm. Um, The trips that are already planned, the things that are in place are bigger than we've ever had before. Mm -hmm. And... um, So we just want to make sure that we're always in the center of God's will um, and not take a step outside of his will, but we don't want to be afraid and just staying put because it's the safe thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and we heard from Pastor Adrian a week or so ago about um, safety and, you know, to not be in our comfort zones and in our safety zones. That's not where God has called us to. and That has to be very intentional. You know, we don't just show up at a place that we aren't comfortable and safe in ministry by just sitting still. I mean, you have to be proactive, and it's really amazing to watch how this ministry's grown and how God has opened doors for you all to take steps to where you can be a beacon of hope, a light in our own community. So that's powerful, and I know that you are anyone who wants to hear more about that. I'm sure we'll give more information on how to contact you at the end of the broadcast. Heidi, you mentioned that you were going back to Moldova in August to do the camp that you guys did uh, this past year. So if you want to talk more about that and any other trips that you have uh, planned for this upcoming year 2020. Okay. Uh, In Moldova, the things that we specifically need are people that um, can train in foster care, people that can train in after school, And then people that have specialties that we can do clinics. This past year, we had an art clinic, a soccer clinic, and a gymnastics clinic. Uh, We also did a lot of baking because they weren't used to American food. So they wanted to, you know, we were able to bake a lot of things. So I know that this next year we will add clinics to that and specialty things. So it's a little different, and we really need people that are willing to step up and do some planning. Uh, We'll start the planning probably after the first of the year. The other trip that we have, and that's really coming up soon, the deadline is Guatemala. We will be going back February 8th through the 15th. And it's a smaller team because we are doing some planning for some future events there, but 
we will concentrate on putting water filtration systems in as well as putting some stoves in and then we'll be working with a small school um, to start connecting with child sponsorships and after school programs and we will be getting tickets next week for that trip so it would be a quick turnaround if you would decide to go but you could get in touch with us this week and we could give you some more information on that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, Heidi, I just really appreciate you taking time today coming in and sharing with us and just your heart uh, for ministry uh, globally and locally. And um, as we kind of wrap up this time together, is there anything else that you would like to share with us? I think um, what I'll share is what I shared with my board last week. And it's pretty much the way that we try to do ministry, but it's also the way that I try to live Mm -hmm. my life. And it's a little different than the way that I was raised, but I believe this is what God is calling us to. And again, it is from Not Safe by Mark Batterson. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Keep asking questions. Keep making mistakes. Keep seeking God. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Stop playing it safe and start taking risk. Expand your horizons. Accumulate experiences. Enjoy the journey. Find every excuse you can to celebrate everything you can. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Burn sinful bridges, blaze new trails. Don't let fear dictate your decisions. Take a flying leap of faith. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Go all in with God. Go all out for God. And I just think I've learned that with God, we really can change our world. We have to look at what we can do and not necessarily, you know, think we have to change everybody. But one life is changing the world. And so I think every life we touch makes a difference for eternity. Well, this is about the Great Commission, and I see that um, in what you are doing. And it's ongoing um, relationships, making disciples, and it's continuing those conversations um, from one year to the next here and there. And I'm just grateful for you not um, living in the safety zone, but being willing to get out of the comfort of whatever uh, your comfort may have been. And um, I know that one of the terms I think that you coined and maybe somebody else did, but I'm going to say it was yours, is live simply so others can simply live. And um, I think about that often. And Heidi, uh, contact information for Village to Village if you just want to share that. Sure. We have uh, a website and it's hopeforvillages.org. And that is H-O-P-E, the number four, and then villages.org. You can also get in touch with me at hbdove at hopeforvillages.org. We also have a Facebook page that keeps up to date on trips and things that we're involved in, and that is just Village to Village on Facebook. We did launch a new page two weeks ago. Uh, We tend to bring back a lot of sweet things that are handmade from people and donations that people have given us. So we have the Village Market, which is on Facebook. And that's just a place you can go to to buy gifts or 
just see, we update it every week. So it's a place that you can go to to just see what's there and purchase some items. And that all goes to help the ministry. So again, it's hopeforvillages.org. That's our website. The one thing that is also included on there is child sponsorships. We just started a new child sponsorship with Restore Elakia in Africa. And sometimes we don't always know where those funds go. And we received a picture about two weeks ago of three of the children that our local families from HFCN have sponsored in their school uniforms. And they have not been able to go to school for several years. And because of the sponsorships, those kids are now back in school. So Mm -hmm. it's a tangible thing to us that we can see those funds are absolutely changing lives. And so we always have our sponsor kids on that page as well. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Heidi. And thank you for joining us today and for the work you do with Village to Village. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray uh, that today's broadcast has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.